This is The Book of Life, a podcast that uncovers life lessons from Judaism's most important book, helping you power your day with purpose. Here is Ruchi Koval. I have a certain character defect that I am going to publicly confess right here, right now. And that is this. I really, really like to know whose fault something was. In other words, I'm often looking for someone to blame. Now, thankfully, I try very hard to work on my character and to become a better person than how I am in default mode. So I have gratefully come a long way in this area. But nevertheless, when my defenses are down, I sometimes do default to blame mode. For example, let's just say, for the purpose of this discussion, that I walk into my kitchen and find a sink filled with dishes when there is a perfectly excellent and empty dishwasher not one foot away from said sink. I may or may not have been known to snap a picture of that sink, text it to my entire family with the singular word, who. I really like to know who the culprit is in a given situation. Now, the reason I say this is a character defect is because it actually doesn't matter whose fault it is. Of course, I tell myself that this is an educational opportunity to teach the culprit about matters of personal responsibility and community hygiene, etc., etc. But the real truth of the matter is that I just want to know whom to be mad at. Really, what I want is an empty sink. Really, what I want is for my family to understand that there is no dish fairy. And if there were one, it would not be me. Harry Truman said wisely, it is amazing how much we could accomplish if we did not care who got the credit. Sometimes we, and by we, I mean me, get consumed by who gets the blame and who gets the credit that we become distracted from the significant issues. Because often who was responsible for a particular outcome, whether good or bad, is actually beside the point. In our Torah portion of the week, we continue the story of Joseph and his brothers. The portion begins with a dramatic conversation between Judah and Joseph, in which Judah begs his brother Joseph to allow their mutual brother Benjamin to go free. Joseph, who is the viceroy of Egypt, and by definition, the second most powerful man in the land, is unrecognizable by his brothers. But after Judah's impassioned plea, Joseph can no longer remain silent. Amidst choking tears, he sends out all his servants from the room and does the big reveal in which he confesses to his brothers who he is. I am Joseph. Is our father still alive? Thus begins the dramatic reunion between the brothers. Of course, they feel terrible for having sold Joseph into slavery. Yet Joseph reassures them that all has gone according to God's plan so that he could be strategically placed in Egypt in order to support them all financially. He sends his brothers back to Israel, instructing them to bring back their elderly father, Jacob, to Egypt. And he gives them a number of instructions for their journey back to Israel. He sent wagons, food, clothing, and silver to take along the way. And then he tells them something curious. 
He says, "Do not become agitated on the way." What does this cryptic statement mean? What Joseph meant by that statement was this: It would only be natural after this big reveal. And remember, his brothers had not seen him for 22 years since they had sold him into slavery. That the brothers might be very agitated. They didn't even know that he was still alive when they came down to Egypt, let alone that he was the viceroy of the land. So one can only imagine that after this revelation, the brothers would have been terribly distressed. If you recall from last week's podcast, two of the brothers had actually tried to save Joseph. And others didn't feel that he should be saved. Joseph was projecting that on the long journey from Egypt to Israel, they would have had many, many hours to engage in recrimination and blame. He didn't want their journey to turn into a quarrel and a blame fest, so he told them very clearly, "Do not use your time that way." Why? Because blame is about the past. Blame is about. Things that can no longer be changed. Joseph said, "Let's move forward instead. It already happened. It's in the past. It was God's plan. Pointing fingers about what happened 22 years ago will help absolutely no one. It's not a constructive conversation. It can only be destructive." In Hebrew, there's a word for the question "why." That word is "lama." The word lama means why. However, those same letters can also be read differently. They can be read as lema, which means for what purpose. This means that aside from the blame question, we often engage in pointless conjecture as to why something happened. But the truth of the matter is that we very often will not know why a particular thing happened, and very often we just can't figure out why a particular thing happened. So maybe in those situations, we can instead look forward and say, "For what? For what purpose? How can I change this from a pointless conversation into a constructive conversation?" Sometimes when I look back at the mistakes that I've made in my parenting, I engage in self-blame. I think that parents sometimes assume an inordinate amount of responsibility for our kids' choices. So I like to joke when it comes to parenting. No credit, no blame. Which means that in what way am I looking back at the past and blaming myself for things that I simply didn't know better? How will that help me in the long run? Our kids make millions of choices, some of which are directly related to us, and many of which are not. So just as I don't consider myself responsible for mistakes in which I couldn't have known better, I also don't think I should get the credit. For the success of a child that had very little to do with me, the point here is that we should be mindful of our conversations with others, and of our own inner conversations in our own heads. Is it overly consumed with the past, or is it forward thinking? Is it destructive and pointless, or is it constructive and purposeful? This is what Joseph was teaching his brothers when he said, "Do not become agitated on the way." And one can imagine Joseph whispering into each of our ears as well. You are traveling a journey called life. Watch out, and don't become agitated along the way. There are so many more beautiful ways to travel this path. 
This is the Book of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Join Ruchi again next time for more meaning and inspiration from Judaism's most important book to power your day with purpose. You're listening to a Momentum Podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.